Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Empower Man Podcast. It's your boy, Mikey G, coming to you live from the free state of Florida. And tonight, I am joined by the man. And what has not been said that needs to be said, but we can say some more stuff about this guy. His favorite snack is bacon, lettuce, and testosterone sandwiches. The man who made creatine great again. The man who put pre-workouts on the market. He is the man who will never bow down to communism. He is the human revolver, the champion of the Second Amendment. He is a patriot. He is a family man, and he's a friend. He's my boy and yours. Let's give it up for Greg A. Tadora the first. Sir, how are you tonight? Always good to hear those intros, Mike. I appreciate it. I'm doing well. Had an awesome day. Super, super excited to get to know and interview our guests, which we have lined up. So let's get into it. Yes, but as customary, before we do that and bring them on, because I am as stoked as you are, um, we want to thank our EMTs, our firemen and women, our policemen and women, our first responders. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for keeping our communities and local municipalities safe and sound. Absolutely. And a shout out to all the military personnel out there. Stay safe. America first. Thank you to their families for making the ultimate sacrifice. So keep it up out there. Now, Greggy T, if I had a different mindset, I would say that hat is something to do with California. Am I right or wrong? They're based out there, but um, this is the old URTURT.com. So go check them out. They make some pretty cool gear, some cool guys out there. So go show some support and love to them. Nice. And I am wearing a nine line shirt, 22 veterans a day die from suicide. So we keep that uh, in our thoughts and our minds and our prayers, because these people really need help that come back from the service. Some of them do. So we need to show love to our veterans. And it's a really alarming stat. And to bring awareness to that is extremely important. And you can find the shirt at nineline.com, which will be making our shirts in the very, very near future, sir. Great company, really cool people, so show some love. All right, so Greg, you you said it earlier. We're going to get right into it. Our, Let's do our, it. Our guests tonight are entrepreneurs. They're patriots, but they're change makers. These, this husband and wife, these two people have created change and have created lasting change in the areas that they've lived in throughout the country. They've been in the Midwest. They've been in the East. They've been in the West, and they're they're moguls in Hollywood. Um, one's an aspiring professional wrestler, but they're patriots, they're America first, they're family, men and women, they're people of faith, and they really embody what the Empower Man is all about. And we're going to have the Empower Woman as we're going to actually, you know, lend more of a, a female voice tonight and make this more inclusive for everyone. It is my honor to introduce Curtis and Cara Leopardo. Guys, welcome to the Empower Man podcast. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you for we, having us here tonight. We appreciate your time. And, um, you know, you guys have a really interesting story. You guys were f- are from the Midwest. And, you know, what was it like growing up in Chicago? Because when I think of Chicago, I think of, like, freezing winters. And I think of, like, Wrigleyville. You know, that the bar called Sluggers. Not that I, I know a few things about bars. I've been to a few in my life. It tends to get exaggerated, but Wrigleyville has some of the best bars. So when I think of Chicago, I think of that. What was it like growing up in Chicago? What was your, what were both of your childhoods like? 
Well, I, I can start. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a, you know, great family and, you know, we have a construction business, uh, commercial construction. So I spent a lot of time on the job site growing up and kind of learning all the different trades and things like that. But I could tell you one thing in the wintertime, you never really want to be there. And uh, <laughs> that was a, that was actually a motivation besides having a passion for film moving out west. Um, and I've, I've always had an interest in film you know, versus construction and, 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 you know, just being a part of the family business originally. And it eventually came full circle, but that's, uh, you know, moving out when I was 18 years old, right out of high school, I just literally just hightailed it to, uh, to uh, California. And um, that's where I eventually met Kara. But in the meantime, I put together a private equity fund where we financed a slate of movies. We teamed up with the Saw producers. I don't know if you're familiar with wow. yeah. that franchise. I think they're on uh, Saw number 28 by this time. That's crazy. Uh, you know, but wow. they're rebooting it again and again and again. So I was in that genre. It was more of low budget film. Low budget, we're talking multi-millions, but um, it was uh, considered low budget. And it was it was a great way to get into the entry into the business you know, because horror films are very profitable and we were able to do very well overseas. But, you know, unfortunately, in 08, that's when the market crashed. Right. So there was a lot of turbulence and a lot of not a lack of distribution availability. So we were able to do a limited release on my films. And um, then I got into reality TV and that's where Kara, you can you can take it from here. You know, we uh, once you once you jump back and, and, and explain how you ended up in Hollywood and yeah, so um, also originally from a suburb outside of Chicago called Elmwood Park. It's actually one square mile. Um, you oh, can walk wow. from side to side, I think, in 22 minutes. And I've probably uh -huh. done that more times than I could count. I live too close to the school to take the bus, so it blew past me, through the slush on me for, you know, 12 years of, of going to elementary and middle and high school there. Um, Needless to say, I'm a warm weather kind of girl, so I had my eyes set on the sunshine state of California for different reasons than Curtis. I just wanted to be warm. I really, my goal in life was to be warm year round. It was not necessarily the movie business, but I had family in Los Angeles. So by default, we ended up in the same city um, for completely different reasons, which I feel like God always has a plan and he put that on my heart so that my husband and I could meet given we're from the same city or the same state. We're from completely different parts of the state. Um, we, I don't believe we would have ever met in Illinois. So he had to play sunshine <laughs> on my heart, movies on his heart to get us to unite in Los Angeles where I ended up working in um, the casting business, commercials, print and music videos. I stopped counting close to 3000. Um, from J-Lo's first music video to um, Lady Gaga, where I was like, Lady who? What, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, her, her first music video, um, Peter Gabriel music videos. I mean, you name it. Um, I've worked with them. Um, tons of Super Bowl commercials. Back when Budweiser was classy, the Clydesdale, if you remember that. Yeah. Of course. That one. Yeah, back of when uh, Budweiser was amazing. Um, <laughs> and during my time there, I was approached oh. 07 to appear in a reality show. This was brand new game. Nobody really knew what was going on in reality, and I really fell in love with it. I was at the top of my field in casting, ended up shooting a sizzle tape, selling a pilot. It, it aired. We did very well. 
ultimately ended up not going, but um, I fell in love with the production aspect of, you know, kind of advancing outside of casting, ended up um, telling my husband, who was just my boyfriend and fiance at the time, this is something I think we could do. So you take a step down from the movies, I take a step up from commercials and let's form a casting company or a production company together. And that's what we ended up doing. And we did very, very well. It's had our first two kids, got married at Beverly Hills Courthouse and the rest is history. Yeah, I could say that the transition from movies to TV to reality TV at the time was like somewhat taboo. It was like a step down. But I can tell you one thing, it was a lot more profitable faster than it was making movies, which you think movies bigger, which they are bigger productions. But, you know, you could shoot a higher volume of different concepts and things and take them out to market and shop them at all the networks. And, you know, you land one of them. It's it's a big deal. And we landed I can't, I lost count on it. It dips your money. It's, it goes from zero to 60 very, very quickly. It's very lucrative. It's very fast. A feature film could take five years from inception to screen. Reality TV could take Plus, 10 months. There was, months. there was a writer's strike. I know we're going through a writer's strike right now. I lived through the yeah. last strike, which was back in, I believe, 07 or 06. It was brutal. Like nothing can get done. Like we, that, that killed us for so long as we raised all this money, but we can't go into production. You can't even go into pre-production. You know, until until you can write because you got to make revisions and things on scripts and, you know, uh, it, it hurt the casting process. You know, we had Sharon Stone attached and, you know, she wanted to make changes, you know, and we couldn't make the changes to accommodate her. So we lost her. We, we, we had Charlie Sheen attached to one project and we couldn't we couldn't make changes. But it was uh, it was a hell of a run. I, I can tell you that. But, yeah, definitely the reality TV stuff was was a lot more, um, like I said, profitable. <laughs> yeah, it was sustainable. Maybe sustainable is the right right term from a business standpoint. How, how was it growing up where you guys are from and making that transition to a place like L.A.? I mean, you said, what, there was one square mile? How many cops did you have, one or two? Um, we had a handful, uh, first name basis, with uh, the sheriff of our town. I'm still Facebook friends with him, actually. And, um, you know, it was it was interesting. I grew up in a really unique perspective, and I think that gave me my political views, to be honest, because the town was kind of changing where most of my friends were first-generation Americans. And back then, this was politically correct to say an anchor baby, and they would have referred to themselves as such. So I was in a unique position where a lot of the original people in the town, they were kind of aging out. They were moving to the city. And then a lot of my friends were first-generation Americans, so I got to see what that whole immigration process like looks like, legal and illegal. So I have a lot of unique perspectives that I've personally experienced from very good friends. I mean, people whose homes I've slept at, and that really, not growing up in a home in, in Illinois, you would think you're super political. We are not political at all. It was never spoken of in my house. So my views as a patriot, as somebody loves America, come from my personal experiences in, in my childhood. Whether it sounds politically correct or not, I know it's polarizing to hear the term anchor baby and you can't say that anymore. I don't know many people that I grew up with that wouldn't at the time, maybe things have changed, but at the time they were anchor babies and they called themselves as such because that's why they were in America and that's why their families were here. 
Tell us more about growing up, Kara, like <laughs> those American values, because, you know, you hear about Midwestern values uh-huh. and our perception of people from the Midwest is that they're good, wholesome, like American, like the fabric of our country. Where did those values come from? Like, how did you acquire those values and how has that helped you navigate through the different phases of your life? So you're probably not going to want to hear this, but again, it really goes back to a lot of my friends that were first generation Americans, their families that came to America, they loved our country. They respected our school system. They respected their homes. They took care of their homes, multi-families living together in one home, generational homes that you don't really see. So I feel like my age group was kind of the last, I got to see my family, strong roots, everybody's very blue collar, you know, nobody really went to university, they went to trade schools, right? Then the transition of the first generation Americans, they were going to universities, they were buying homes, they were living together and making sacrifices so that they could live the American dream. So I really developed, I think my values just from general experience of living in a blue collar town, and watching, you know, generations of Americans just really not respect what we have as a birthright being Americans and then watching a whole nother group of people that moved to this beautiful country that valued it more. And, you know, again, not being political at all really wasn't political until I became a parent in um, 2007. It just, it, you start looking at things and going, wait, what's, what's going on here and what's the real agenda? So that's, I feel like my perspective is extremely unique. I have a very strong understanding of the way the legal and illegal immigration system worked, at least back then. I don't think much has changed. I know that um, you can have a father working that's not on the papers so that the mom could send the kids to school for free. And then the mom works for cash in the factory. And then the grandma is on the papers and she's getting the welfare and they're doing better than my family where my mom and my dad are both working. Wow. Yeah. And I'm pretty I sure that's no still idea. going on today. I know it, it's, it's, it's mind boggling that it, it really is. I mean, I could really, I don't know where you want to go with this, but I don't see I see what's happening now with our borders and how how much we've lost our country. And that's just still happening on a massive level. And maybe the quality of immigrant has changed. I know a lot of the people that I grew up with, they love our country. They respected our country and they just used the system to their advantage, but they became x-ray technicians and contractors yep. and all of, whether it was a trade school or a two-year degree, they, they became better than where mm-hmm. they came from. And at the same time, I feel like a lot of Americans that I grew up with, they didn't do that. They just were like, eh, I have cool shoes and a cool phone and I'm going to go work at my dad's company and collect workman's comp. It's, <laughs> I don't know. That's the Midwestern way, right? Like collect workman's comp. That's kind of like a big deal where I grew up. Um, I mean, I grew up similar where, <clears throat> you know, the generations of Italians were came over and they were super proud to be here. And everyone lived in like their community and they all took care of their properties. And they, back then it was English only. So don't pass down the Italian language, learn English only so that they do better in school. And then to your point, they appreciated coming here legally. And I have friends that have, that are our age that have come to this country the right way. And they'll, 
a tear will come to their eye. They're like, the best day of my life was when I got my citizenship and I did everything the right way. And they couldn't be more proud. Meanwhile, they're just as upset as we are with what's going on because it's a slap in the face to them as well. It is. Yeah. It, re it really is. And I, I think this anything great is worth fighting for. And this is the greatest nation. It's not perfect. We are an imperfect union, but it is absolutely worth fighting for. It is absolutely worth exhausting yourself over. If, if I don't owe it to myself, I at least owe it to not only my children, but absolutely the next generation. I think the 100%. measure of me someday will be what my children are and who they become. Um, along with the next generation, it's really about the kids. I've lived a fantastic life living in Hollywood, all of the things. Met Hugh Hefner, was on the permanent list at the mansion. I mean, the things that I've experienced <laughs> have been amazing. Hey, nice Christian girl, but I, I never partake in those crazy things. But um, it was good to be a fly on the wall, I can tell you. But we need to leave something great to our kids so that they can make the choices that I made. I had the ability to create the life for myself that I wanted. And I think all children deserve that right. Whether you want to be a law enforcement, an actress, an attorney, whatever it is, and whatever level, you have the right to design your future. And I want to leave that to my kids and all children, honestly. I'll handle this now with you guys since we're talking about it. Do you still have hope? because it seems like that is getting less and less day by day. Do you think the way, the trajectory of where this country is going and the speed at which it's going in the wrong direction, is is there any hope for our kids and the next generation, like you say? That's, the, in my opinion, it's a twofold answer. Um, in the Bible, it's referenced um, no fear 365 times. And I interpret that to be, not living your life in fear. Now I won't step in front of a bus. I'm very calculated with the way that I live my life, but I refuse to live in fear. I'm operating and teaching my children every day to push forward, to be better and to try to fight against what we can. Now, ultimately it is written. We win in the end and, and it is already written what happens. No man knows the time or the hour. So we have right. to operate with faith, have no fear and push forward because we, we owe it. Maybe, maybe it's not the time. Maybe, maybe we can, we can write the ship, but if not, um, I can't just stay home and cower and wait for it to fall. I have, I can't go down without a fight. Right. My, my interpretation of the Bible, right? America is not even in it when we hit revelations, right? It's gone. Well, as far as we know, it's not, not there anymore. Um, so eventually that's going to happen, but there is no timetable on when it's going to happen. I, I look at it like it's up to us right now as human beings on this planet right now to make the decision if we are going to push back and, and, and take this back, you know, and take back what we, you know, inherited from generations. And, and it ain't going to be Donald Trump. Donald Trump's a piece of it. The senators, the Congress, they're very important. Local politicians are very important, but it's up to us taking action. Like you guys doing this, this is taking action to change culture. If we don't change culture, it's not going to, ain't going to happen you know, we're, we're going to lose it all. And we all have to do our part in whatever that is. If it's preaching in church, if it's, if it's doing a podcast, reaching hundreds and thousands of millions of people, if it's creating content, movies, TV shows, things to that matter, that's, that's how we're going to win and change the hearts of everybody. It's going to have to be done through the media because that's where we're getting our ass kicked right now. Is, oh, yeah. Is, yeah. We're getting destroyed because they have control. When I say they, we don't know who they're we're talking about. 
they have control over Hollywood. They have control over everything that's being fed through Fox News. We know Fox News is is not what it, it, it is, right? We, we thought it was something else. We saw what happened to Tucker Carlson and everything. But we need, we need to take action with our skills. And that's something that we can get into later another time. But Karen and I are it's working. It's podcast. This yeah. Is all, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Keep, keep going. This is great. Yeah, no. but we're working on something. We're taking our God-given skills that we were blessed with in our original careers to do something to really, I guess, just dis- disrupt the media and pop it's culture. Time. We need yeah. it. We need it. We, yeah. we need a culture change. I think that's that's a big thing with my husband and I. Um, we do, we've worked together famously in the past. We took a break so that I could raise the four children. The children are getting bigger now. I'm ready to go back to work. I am back at work for almost the last year. Um, under the radar, a lot of people aren't aware of it, but they will be soon to see what we're doing. But we have been working on something to change and shape shift culture. Because like Curtis said, if you look at the media, TV, from television to commercials to merchandise and stores, everywhere everything. you look, we are everything. being groomed. Our children are being groomed. And the only way to write that, now whether the masses fall in line, meaning the big conglomerates, the big companies fall in line in, in media and songs, whether they believe what we believe or not, it's irrelevant. But if there's a counter to what they are doing, they're going to have to level it out because as soon as their pocketbooks start dissipating even further, they don't care mm-hmm. if it goes down a little bit because Americans, unfortunately, we have a, a short-term memory problem in America. Totally, we totally. And we go right back. But guess what? If there's another place for people to go, another place to enjoy entertainment, another place to listen to music that's not fragmented currently, where it's like all over the place, mm-hmm. it will level the playing field and they will right the ship. Now, well, if they don't believe it or not, it doesn't matter. We've already won. If they just tone it down because somebody else is leveling up, we've won the war. And we can expose that it's okay to be married and have children and obey your husband. That's totally sexy. You don't have to be on some of these trashy shows covered in labels head to toe to have worth. You can have worth from God. You can have worth from yourself, from your husband, from your family, from your children. And I think we need to make that sexy again for women and we need to empower men. I'm extremely alpha if you can't already tell. My husband's very alpha. Men can't be intimidated by women like me because a woman like me only wants an alpha man, right? And unfortunately, Hmm. usually women like me aren't approached by the alpha man because like she's too strong for me. She doesn't want, that's exactly what we want. We want a real man. So men, Hmm. go find yourself an alpha woman because together you're going to be unstoppable. And we can listen up, ladies. Listen up. Tons of babies. Listen up, men. Be confident, men. Like, get off your phone, get up some kuyans, and go talk to somebody like we used to before all this social media and all this, these apps and all this. You have to have game. You have to have game. It's crazy that lack of interpersonal skills that go on nowadays. It's It's unbelievable. All by design, guys. It's all by design there. It's distractions. It's just a, a death by a thousand cuts, woke cuts, where they're just slicing and dicing us from 10 million different ways. And, and they're almost putting you in some sort of like hypnosis state of mind where you don't even know it. And they want you to just exist. And, you know, by 2030, they want you to own nothing and be happy where you have three pairs of clothes and, 
you know, yeah. be on a subscription basis. Netflix, Netflix is training you to to get into subscriptions. Hulu, all this bullshit. Netflix you know? and well, pill. Yeah, they no, want they no. want you to just literally live in a pod and die. That, that's 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 what they want. It's crazy. You know? and, and and we but we you know we all have to use the skills that we have, you know, to push back, and that can mean a million different things. You know, it doesn't need to be just media. It could just mean, like I said earlier, you know, going to church, you know, it's talking to people, start speaking up, start speaking your mind more because they create this, this insane bubble where you think that you're going to get canceled and let you then get canceled, you know, yep. because right now we're in the process, there's a process happening that there's parallel economies that are being structured with the conservative movement, like public square with mm -hmm. e-commerce, you know, and soon there'll be entertainment. There's, there were, it's going to happen. And, you know, like people moving like my, ourselves, we left because of the COVID tyranny in, in Illinois. We couldn't take it. We just hightailed it to Florida. And, um, you know, it's just taking action. You have to take action as a man. And, you know, you need to find passion as a man. You need to find something that you really love to do. And it could be anything. Just put your energy and your time into something that you're passionate about, because that's the only way you're going to be successful. And that's that's I had to learn from trial and error. I've done a lot of things that maybe I wasn't really, I was lukewarm passionate about. Oh, it makes a lot of money. You know what? It doesn't matter. The money doesn't really matter. You have to be passionate about it. And you know what? A man will self-destruct if he doesn't have something that he's working, a goal that he's working towards, you know? And it, it doesn't mean you go make a million dollars. It could just, it's, it's about fulfilling your soul and making you stronger, you know? And, and that, and, and by finding that passion, dialing into that passion and building towards something and taking these small incrementals, you know, steps forward towards that goal. It doesn't need to be, you need to be a millionaire overnight. Just keep working towards something that you're passionate about. And guess what? All these good things are going to happen around you. The energy, you're going to find an attractive woman that's strong. That energy is real, you know? Uh, and so I'll leave it as that. I know a little, got a little rant there, but. Uh, no, this is great. That's, for that's how I live my life, you know? Yeah. It's living I mean, in the Curtis, I think it's important to note, I mean, I, I am definitely patting myself on the back, but I, I've seen um, marriages self-destruct or not happen, or the saddest thing of all is millennials, they don't want to get married. They do, they just want to be the women, they want to be independent, which means we're already in a population decline. That has to stop. We have to really encourage, marry the right woman, okay, and have a family, because if you marry the right woman and you have these burning goals in your stomach, like my husband had, who said, came to me and said, I want to become a pro wrestler. Most wives would say, you're already working a hundred hours a week. You're never here. You're in all these different States all the time. Absolutely not. I need you here. And I said, do it because I want him to fulfill his heart and be an example for our kids. And I know, Mike, you were there at the, his, his debut. Um, I was. You know, the look on our kids' faces and the motivation that I gave them, that is awe-inspiring for them forever at, at you know the tender age of six all the way up to our 16-year-old daughter. It, and to see their mother encouraging their father to do something like this, it's that's so cool. important. We're stronger that's together. Cool. That's cool. And that's – I'm going to say that's so rare. Especially it is. Especially nowadays. These girls – the, the, the women, they don't support if their man has, you know, an outside of the box vision of something or a passion. It's very rare. So I commend you on that. 
Thank you. You know, I've, I've never been a rule follower. I don't want to say I've been a rule breaker, but I've never been a rule follower. And what I've witnessed working in Hollywood and paying close attention to reality shows where you see a lot of women, it has almost become acceptable or promoted, in my opinion, for women to tear down their husband. It's almost like this weird 100%. thing that's happening. And you don't need to step on your husband to grow. You need to be united and you grow bigger and stronger together. So that's myself. I come from a divorced family. So it's always very important to me to get married once and stay married forever, honor the oath that I took. Um, but even beyond that is making, and that's where we get back to culture. And that's one of the projects that one of the many things that we're working on. Part of it is making marriage glamorous again. It is so amazing to be able to come home to the same person every single day and that trust level that you have and you can have a good day or a bad day know that they're always going to be there and to glamorize that like women they it's it just it needs to be glamorized and i don't know that um society, they don't like that they don't like the nuclear family so they yeah. promote look at you can have this big house you could divorce your husband and go partying with your friends to cabo every weekend when he has the kids every other weekend why yeah. would you want to do that when you're like, you know, 34, 35, whatever, 50, whatever age you are? That's not glamorous. This is glamorous. I get to go on a podcast with my husband after we put our kids to bed in our home office in our home studio. That's freaking glamorous. In my opinion. I you know, I could I look a little better if I wasn't driving uh, <laughs> seven hours today to go interview colleges. But you know what I'm trying to say? Um, Absolutely. We we need good women and we need good men and women will fall in line if men act the way we want them to. And as a woman, I will say my husband living in L.A., I dated a bit. He was the first man I ever dated, which is funny because he was the youngest man I ever dated by far. Yes. Yes. Had a boy. Had a boy. Good Chris. job. Good, good job. job I, had, I had a fake ID from uh, Boston. <laughs> and, he um, did. That's awesome. <laughs> I had, to, I, you know, I had to do what I had to do, man. <laughs> Listen, my wife and I have a, a running joke. It started as the the little bit of time we do watch TV. And the I'm like, count before we go to bed. Count how many real men you see on TV. And that was Ooh. it was rare. And then when we're out, if we're out in with, with our daughters or whatever, I'm like, okay, we're going apple picking. We went apple picking last weekend. I said, you know what I'm going to ask? She starts laughing. I'm like. Count how many men you see here. If something were to go down, who's who's protecting their family? How many men do you see? I'm going to be honest. I might have saw five, maybe, maybe five. It's ridiculous. Many? Oh, we saw hundreds of people. Hundreds. Oh, yeah. It's insane. It's insane. The guys have tighter pants than the girls. <laughs> what's crazy. the uh, what's the action call here? Like, what's the agenda to? from our because maybe we can help i mean we want to do our part and i feel like with our creativity and our reach that we're currently building listen i wrote that we need to we need to get that out there that's what we I, want i don't want you i to agree i agree <laughs> and i wrote down i think this is great and there's there's legs to this i think make marriage great again it's it's i like that i really like that the right way like what we're speaking about because sure. everything on TV, it's just hate, hate on the guy, oh, hate, take his shit, divorce. And like you said, go party. Like, where are the kids? The kids are young. They're in school. What are they with? Like, 
the nanny or the neighbor, where are they? And you're in like Miami. I'm not hating, but I am hating because that's not responsible in my opinion. If mm -hmm. you're single with no kids, no problem. Do your thing. This but is if you what have a family. With this. Yeah. And you know what this is? This is the matrix. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's putting these kids in these, the, the state of hypnosis and it's, it's breaking them down and turning them into pronouns and all that weird Transgender shit. Transgender pronouns. It's making people crazy. It's making and then people are like, Oh my gosh, my kid has a pronoun and they're transgender and they want, they want to uh, start uh, hormone. They want, to, they want to break the family down. They want to sterilize everybody and they want to, they want to completely eliminate and depopulate the earth. That's the fact. Laws are being passed. Laws are being passed in your former in your former state where if a young if your young kid wants to start hormone blockers or whatever, they can and you say no, they you can come in and take your kid. That's crazy. Good luck with that. Well, that's and nuts. that's where it starts in the home. I, I don't want to get yep. into too much because this is again, we have a lot of podcast content for you, but in our own personal family, um, we attend probably one of the we attend probably the best school in our area. And we thought that's what we were paying for. And we made sacrifices and did life accordingly to make this happen. And our third grader, he wasn't even all the way in the car when I picked him up, told me about an extremely inappropriate book. He was read by his teacher. Upon further investigation, we found out it wasn't just him and his class. It was the entire third grade class. And I don't know, this is an excess of 100 children of the pockets of families that I spoke to personally. Now, I don't know everybody, but this was close to 25 families. Not one child told their parent. They were only aware because either I told them or a mom that I told had told them. My child came and told me because I've developed that relationship with my kids to talk and to communicate. And what, what's worse than that is that you don't know what your kid was being read at school is that the parents wouldn't agree with that. And were even some of them way more like off the wall and obnoxious than I perceive this to be, which I, I don't agree with it, but I handled it differently. And they, they had no clue. So you have to create that communication with your kids and that relationship. And it's a pain to listen to their stories and to talk to them. But the worst thing you could do when you pick up your kid from school is say, how was your day? Cause you're going to get one answer and it's going to be fine. That's the, well, let me ask you, is this a public or a private school? This is a private school and wow. we've been wow. by DeSantis by the way, cause that bill that he signed for the anti-woke agenda only applies to public. public. Sorry. Wow. So you have a legion of families like me who instantly thought we're breaking the law. No. We're not because we're private. Well, you, know, you know what I find very unique about this situation is there's a lot of families that moved, obviously, to Florida from California, all over the place to get away from the woke nonsense and all different faiths. Right. And this school is saying, well, this is this is diversity. This is inclusion. This is blah, blah, blah. Right. All the nonsense woke stuff. But then you see the parents that are upset. When do you ever see an alignment of an Indian Hindu background, Muslim in a Christian, all standing together, shoulder to shoulder, parents, all saying, this is bullshit. You know, is it, when you look at that perspective, is that diversity? Look at that diversity. You know, you got to have a Muslim, a Christian, and, and an Indian. And we're saying, no, that, that is, that's, that's the, what we're talking about here. Those, those are Americans. Those are people that are protecting their families. So the shit that they want to teach you to be tolerant and all this bullshit 
look what's happening. It's bringing us together, you know, on the other side. It's, it's really, it's really interesting to see that polarizing effect that it's creating and that we're witnessing and living through right now. It's just it's, unbelievable. It's funny. In it's like you time. said before, the, I wish the media would cover that good part of diversity, which right. you don't hear anything about that, which is wild. Of course. Well, I think you're seeing more and more people are going to start leaving traditional sources of news and are going to go to podcasts. They're going to find people that they like and that they trust because the discourse of trust between us and the media has never been in the 45 years I've been on this earth has never been as divisive as it is now. And I know myself, I don't watch the news anymore. You mentioned Fox. So I was going to the Fox Patriot Awards every year. So I looked because I like the personalities, you know, and I like to, you know, I've been going because they used to have it here at the Hard Rock. So they're having it in Nashville this year. And I never got an email about when the tickets went on sale. And then I go to find the tickets. $500 for a ticket, one ticket, plus $500 to go to a cocktail party with Fox and Friends. It's like a thousand bucks before I even get in the door. Doesn't include food, hotel, travel. And I was just so disappointed. And they, they put a sign up that says, it's the out, the party's outdoors, rain or shine. They have the right to cancel if the weather's bad. So you could be out 500 bucks. And it just shows, like, I feel like they don't even care. Like mm -hmm. like you said, Curtis, they're not what they were supposed to be. I like the personalities, and they all have a job to do, and I understand it. But I think I find it really sad that, you know, an event that was so great that highlighted people that you could relate to it and the everyday accomplishments that people uh, mm -hmm. do brings to bring it to light has become nothing more than just a careless money-making pit for these people. It's just very sad. Yeah. Well, Rupert Murdoch's a globalist, you know, he, he's, he's a terrible person and, you know, they're it's just the same, you know, man. They're all the same. I mean, look, they're, they're all, you know, they're, they're looking at just tapping into the conservative universe, like are the, the boomers and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like I talked to my parents, I was back for a family reunion and they religiously watch, watch Fox news. Right. And they're not even seeing the other side of the spectrum of what's actually happening. You know, they're, they're seeing just what is being fed to them. And they're good, you know, hardworking Americans love our country dearly, but they're just, they don't have, they, they don't know how to work these things like we do, you know? So there's a whole nother world that's happening that they're not even seeing. And that, that has to change. And if we want to write the ship, that shit has to change, you know? And it's just, yeah, it's disappointing, but yeah, Fox news is just garbage. That's very sad to hear. Very sad to hear. And I know, you know, I'm in Florida. Greg's in Connecticut. You guys are in Florida. I'm from New York originally. You guys from Chicago. So when you see these cities like Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, just get ravaged with lawlessness. I mean, how do you guys reflect on that? Like, what do you guys, what are your first thoughts when you see this stuff? It wasn't the Hollywood that we lived in. We lived in the entourage era of Hollywood. If you've seen that TV show. Of course. And uh, that was like the, I, I guess we could call it the golden age of cinema for us, you know, where, you know, we had the super agent. I had a super agent, you know, United Talent Agency that was making all the connections for us and all that. And it was, it was a lot of fun. The Hollywood, all the, all the parties and stuff. It was everything that you kind of thought Hollywood was about. We experienced and. Positive though, in the positive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some crazy shit that went on. You know, but, I mean, nothing demonic or anything like that. No, like, I. And you know what? I wasn't in the music industry, and, I, and from what I'm learning is the music industry was very had a lot of satanic shit going on. Wow. You know, like real, it's the real deal. All the stuff that you hear about, 
a lot of it a lot of it is real and it's legit huh luckily i never came across that the satanic side of it on the movie side um but but it's heartbreaking right curtis to answer the question i mean we have two cities that have been that are lost in my opinion that i don't know if we'll ever feel safe when we left los angeles to give our children the midwestern uh lifestyle that we loved so dearly um it, it was hard, but we went back every year. We would go hiking, running Canyon. We would go to our favorite restaurants and do all of the different things. You can't do that now. It is 100% unsafe. If we didn't leave then to give our children the Midwestern roots that we thought we wanted for them, we would have, we would have been leaving now. So regardless, there was no way. And then Chicago, we lived in the suburbs when we moved back to Illinois for those six years. We would go to the city once or twice a month. Curtis was there for business all the time, but we would spend a weekend there. I haven't been there since before COVID. It just really just went like this. And I'm a mother. I need to raise my kids. I'm not willing to risk my life to carjacking is up like 200%. I mean, it's just not safe. They defunded the police. There's tent cities. There's crime. The stores that I used to, you know, I would go shopping. Curtis would send me down in a town car. I'd go shopping for the day and come back home. You can't do that anymore. You'll get mugged. All your stuff will get taken, and the stores are gone. It's, well, you, it's yeah, really sad. That, that recent clip I, I literally saw the other day on Rodeo Drive. Nike Town's gone. Barney's yeah. is gone. Everything's mm -hmm. gone. I'm just like, holy crap. Burke Brothers is gone. Like all. I mean, yeah, Beverly Hills is. I mean, that was that was a sanctuary back in the day. You know, went into labor on Rodeo Drive. We got we eloped at the Beverly Hills courthouse. That was. Um, an amazing, amazing place. And, you know, if you take out all of the, the fashion elements, just like an emotional place for our family. And I don't know that we'll ever go back there again. I, I really don't. It, it's, it's just brick and mortar and you can't fall in love with that stuff anymore. But the sentimental elements, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And it's sad that the people that let that happen, that were, I mean, we were just little drops in the bucket, right? Compared to the Spielbergs and all these like big wigs. What are they doing? They're not fighting for it. They voted for this legislation. They put these people in office and they're not fighting for it. It's on my shoulders to fight for it. Like little old me, like what the heck? It's so disappointing. And people need to yeah. stop idolizing these people. That's another thing. Like we have one God. Amen. And he's not in Hollywood. I'm pretty confident about that. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'll say it. most of these people are pieces of shit. Mike's heard me say it a million times. Not a fan. 100 it's disappointing very disappointing 100 um yep. it's we need we need new people for our children obviously to get them to the word is a huge thing putting on your armor of god every single day the second you wake up giving that to your family and your children or Amen. our kids we we do it on the specific turn and if we don't do it for whatever reason they're like oh the armor of god it's like it's so I'm like, yes, I've instilled this in them. Like, mission accomplished. We have to do that. And it's at home. we really, we, it's we right. have to right the ship with, with culture. And I love that you're doing this podcast because as a woman, I'm a strong woman and I will work hard and do the things. But at the end of the day, I'm a woman and I want to be protected and provided for and taken care of. And I think more women need to feel that way and know that there are men that can do it. Like if you're saying you're going out and there's only five men, oh my gosh, thank goodness yeah. I got me a good one when I did. That's right. 
I mean, I think this country is facing an identity crisis. I think that's why we're in the predicament we're in. No one knows what it's like to be an American anymore. And I think our our fabric has just been it's it's been just deteriorating and eroded for all for so long with all these bad policies and all these pieces of shit in office that the, the corruption, everything, it's just coming to a head now. And I think we need people like like families like yourselves and Mike and I and our and our vision and our trajectory of what we want for this country. Listen, like you said, they they get us by a thousand cuts. Well, you know what? I'll cut you back and we'll cut you back too. And right. we'll grow our own communities like that. There's Amen. more of us out there. Yeah, yeah we, we need to really establish those parallel, this parallel economy, you know, in public square and is, is a great example of somebody that's taken action. They just they just yeah. uh, went public on the New York Stock Exchange and they outpaced downloads on the on the uh, app, uh, Apple App Store over Amazon. So they're they're catching they're catching fire and all that, which is great. But more of that needs to happen. Yeah, we need to separate ourselves, and almost you know I want the economic secession, but you know state secession, all that shit's gonna be on the table. You know, I agree. I agree with that. It has to happen. You yep. know, there should be a wall around Florida. Like seriously, the pendulum can only Said swing that. so far before it'll snap back. We're yep. getting there. We're getting we're, there. We're it can't. There. It can't keep this pace. It can't. Yeah. Well. I, I, <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry, Kara. Go ahead. No, this I, I I just can't applaud you enough. Um, men, our country wasn't built on purple-haired transgender freaks with a pronoun. Okay, it was built <laughs> by men that had no freaking fear. Some of them died, whether it was on the battlefields, whether it was you know being an iron worker without steel toe boots or a hard hat. Men built this country. Men need to save this country, and we need to give men the platform like you're doing to continue to speak and encourage and stand up. And when that happens, that pendulum that you're talking about, th they'll come, you know, they're going to more and more will come. We need that to happen. And with that, good women will start finding those good men. I have all my faith in God and good men to save this country. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I was going to say Ephesians 6, 11, which I was meditating on this morning, right? Putting on the full armor of God. Right. So you can withstand the arrows of the devil. But the enemy attacks us when we're alone. Right. When we're alone, that's when the enemy and we've talked about that when it comes with anxiety, because a lot a lot of men now, I think the pressure on men has never been greater because there's confusion. There's what is a man? Society is trying to redefine what a man is. We all know what a man is supposed to be. I know that sounds toxic as I would be called a toxic man. No, it doesn't. Not. You can say it. You know what I'm saying? It's you know, sexy. You know you what I mean? You know, but, but I think what really, because we're talking biblical, right? Jesus' brother James talks about wherever there's jealousy and self-ambition, there you will find evil and disorder. And when 83-year-old Nancy Pelosi and 90-year-old Diane Feinstein want to run for Senate, and they'll probably win. You know, that is, again, where the root of a lot of these problems in our country come from. And my question to you guys next is, how did you guys navigate your faith while working in Hollywood? Because Hollywood, you're seeing the, um, the outflux of more actors and actresses moving out of Hollywood. But you also see a lot of actors and actresses that are coming out with God 
Uh, we, Greg yeah, and I, I was going to ask that. I was going to <laughs> Greg and I talk about it, and we have like not a running joke, but we talk about like you see Mark Wahlberg staying prayed up, and I, I don't yeah. recall him doing this years ago, which I think is great, and I don't judge anyone that does that. But do you often feel that we all know God's a big business with churches, and I know my churches is a big business, but I know what they do for people. So when I tithe, I am the happiest giver ever because I know what my church does. And I have a pretty active role in my church here in Delray Beach. But what are your guys' thoughts on a lot of these actors and actresses that you see turning to God ever since I think Joe Biden took office? Is that kind of fair to say you see more people turning to God in Hollywood? Or has it always been there? I think it's been a little bit. I mean, Curtis and I, again, we were involved. I moved to Hollywood in 1996. And I've always been a believer. I wasn't necessarily outspoken as now, but it wasn't frowned upon to be a Christian and I probably lived a conservative lifestyle unknowingly. I was NPA because I didn't know the difference. Um, it, it probably was always there, but it wasn't maybe so much needed. I think it's needed now. I don't know their heart, so I can't speak to it, but I would like to believe for their safety for eternity, that if they're preaching the word of God and they're professing this, that they're genuinely in line with their heart. And I have always heard that about Mark Wahlberg, by the way. Um, I didn't know. That he was a believer. So I, I buy it that he was a big Catholic. I, I I definitely buy it with him, with the others. Who knows? There are people I know in the conservative movement were starting to learn that are just on the bandwagon because they wouldn't make it in other elements of the entertainment industry unless they became so great within the conservative movement. There's a different level so that could be the case, but I, I hope they're sincere because I think yeah, they'll be done too. for that. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's not okay. Yeah, I, I, I could say this. Just It's a very vain town. Uh, it was. Yeah, I, don't, I don't even know what it is now, but it was. it's very superficial, materialistic, um, Jewish dominant from a business standpoint, which there was not a lot of common ground with like faith, you know, and it was very, from what I went through it was very fast transactional kind of like relationships and it wasn't you know there's not a lot of like deep discussions about faith with like a lot of people out there it was just more about you know what what are you doing next what you know what do we what do we have on deck you know it's just it moves so damn fast and you don't really kind of get into deep or at least i didn't you know because i never really found common ground on that level with really anybody out there especially being in the horror genre business who knows what the hell those people believed in you know, but a lot, a lot of sick bastards, man. But, uh, talented people, but dark, dark stuff. I was in a very the dark community of that, of that world, you know. But um, <laughs> that was my one reservation when we met. I was like, okay, you're saying all of this, but your actions and and your movies are this. <laughs> you know, he wore me down, and I got to know him. But at first, I was suspicious, to be honest. <laughs> How did you get into horror films? Like why not rom coms or something that's I've not always, so dark? I've always I've always had, uh, you know, I love like horror films, haunted houses. Growing up like that, every every October I would start in June. I would literally in my yard <laughs> a haunted house, an outdoor haunted house themed house. Where I, I would get twenty people, set up all these different scenes and things, and then we would literally have the whole town show up and have a line like miles of people coming in, and I would charge admission to get in and I created like a little business and stuff. And I did that every year, 
you know, growing up. And that was something that I guess kept me out of a lot of trouble. I still got in trouble, but that was something that kind of occupied my time and everything during the, the summer and the fall, just working on the next thing. And I made short films, you know, one, uh, you know, film festival awards and stuff. And so I've always kind of had it in my blood to do the dark, scary stuff, you know, but as I grow older and I look back at that stuff, I'm like, man, what the hell was I thinking doing this stuff? It was, it's pretty violent. You know, every time I turn it on and I watch, you know, something I made, I'm like, man, what the hell was going on in my head when I did that? I think the, I, the I devil was, was coming yeah. for you, like, because he's a good man and he's got so much to offer the world, as you can see. I think <clears throat> that's what the devil does when you're alone. He kind of takes your talent and he manipulates it and he twists it because given this moment, Curtis, are you in that genre again with what, I mean, no, I, I, I just, a horror film again? You know what? I, I could tell you just growing up, having kids and things like that and, and, and really growing, you know, spiritually over the years, you kind of pull back from that stuff. And I look back, I'm like, man, I would never really touch any type of violent content ever again, unless there was real meaning behind the violence, you know, not just senseless kind of like crazy horror stuff. So that that's like my, my approach on anything. If I would ever do anything in that, in that genre, again, it would have to be, it would have to be meaningful violence, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's, okay. that's what touching. Well, you're kind of doing that now with professional wrestling. Yeah. Well, now, now I'm living the horror film, like in the ring, you know, <laughs> literally abusing myself, you know, but it's that, and that's <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever shit. Like I was up, up until now, man, I can't tell you pro wrestling has, has changed my life, you know, doing, doing that. Like it has a little bit of Hollywood, a little bit of entertainment feel, but you get that physical release where you can go in there, you can blow a bunch of steam off just from the real world of what's happening. And, and that's like an outlet for me to kind of release that, you know, it's, it's really helped me mentally, psychologically, you know, the only thing I'll say to that after doing this, let's see now over 20, like 23, 24 years, when I was younger, it was hard to really, the lines were blurred between who I was and what my character was because I did not love myself at all, but I love the character that I played in the ring and it bled into my personal life, which Greg has been privy of, for over 20, Just a little 20 bit. years and Jay. And uh, it is a, uh, it's a fascinating, but the biggest thing you'll see is the psychology and you'll see that just what's going on in, in politics and how you can control a crowd. So obviously the way news, the way sports is being presented now, they realize it's all entertainment and it's all about storylines without storylines. You have no content, right? So it's just like, just like Hollywood. It's a very tough art to learn. I'm like, you know, just starting new a year in. It's it's the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. I got to say. It's not easy. P people think it's scripted, but real the real art of professional wrestling, and then I'll get off my high horse, is the improv. It's being able to feel a crowd, being able to feel an opponent. And what we're trying to create with storytellers is that improv. It's being able to work on the fly. Because if someone is, yeah, I've wrestled somebody who's deaf. Also, somebody who didn't speak the same language, so you have to learn how to read body language. But as we've talked about primarily in this podcast, the times have changed, whether it's wrestling, whether it's you know the society. So that's what you know we'll we'll work with you on, and you see the real art of it. But I digress. Greg, take it from I here, have, man. I'm gonna do a curveball. I got a question for both of you. Um, two different questions. Number one, I, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, on what happened and what's going on in Maui? I know it's a loaded one, but I, I'm very curious. Very curious. Um, you know, that, that's ancient land. 
that for hundreds of years or thousands of years, should I say, that has, has been owned by the, the natives there, right? And you have billionaires that want to take that parcel of land, right? For years, they've been making highball offers from $25 million to $100 million to take those oceanfront properties. And yep. they just said, no, no, no. They're sticking to their guns. So what do they do? They, they tap into some, and who knows where this came from, but it had, it had to be some sort of lasers that burned up that place. And if you see all the different <clears throat> blue colors of things that weren't touched, we know blue roof. something from this guy and blue objects too is the blue roof and a bunch of other blue things mm -hmm. that something fried that place very quickly. And now with precision, with, with precision. precision, I heard a rumor that it could, been, it could have been China that had satellites over, over the, uh, over that area at that time, possibly with some sort of chemical they injected into the air or into these satellites where they were able to do this. And I don't know if there's collusion between the Chinese and God knows who the other entities are that are a part of that. You know, of course, I wouldn't put it past our lovely politicians in D.C. They wouldn't have anything to do with this. Um, but, yeah, that's my take on that. I think it's just it's greed and, and just complete takeover. They're getting away with murder under the Biden administration. All the money laundering happening in Ukraine. It's the a kids total missing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, like, it's open season for criminal activity at the highest level during the Biden administration, because your leader is a hardcore criminal. His family are hardcore criminals. And that's what you get. You know, it's, it's a straight up regime. Agreed. So I don't jump around there. But Second I question. I know these are two very no. interesting ones. Second one, because <clears throat> this is, it's important to me. So we, we have to be the, the catalyst for the foundation of change. Like we were talking about earlier with family, community, friends, everything. Would either of you ever consider getting into politics to help the cause? And my husband decided in our family. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah. I mean, the thought crosses my mind every once in a while, but I mean, you know, you're exposing your family. I have two little girls, two and four years old. It's like, you know, you're putting everything now out there, but it's practice what we just preached. Like you know, somebody's got to do it. You know, you might as well. I, I, I think my, yeah. my feeling on that is yes. I, I believe the politicians are very important and you gotta, you gotta elect the right people. But unfortunately we need to change it on a cultural level. And, and the politician is not going to be able to change it on a cultural level. Like Donald Trump cannot change it on a culture. He did. He did. He already got the ball rolling, right? But we need to step up, and it needs to, it needs to come from the media counterculture, like in order to stop this. You know, um, but pol politics are very important. From local government, school board government, you know, mayoral government. You saw during COVID how powerful these governments can make these they, they, they can make these moves and really put the thumb on you and take control. And, you know, that's you saw those you saw those political positions that you never really thought of the DA's to the local mayors, to the mm -hmm. county mayor, to the state legislature, the fucking school boards. I, my 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 kids four years old. I've never been so stressed about school. And like I have mm -hmm. to be two, three years out, make sure they're not teaching this. They are teaching this. Where are we going? The vaccine thing, the whole nine. It's crazy. The whole thing. It's, it's interesting. Um, I actually, um, as soon as we moved to Orlando, walked into the state board of elections 
here um, in Orange County just to find out what's the criteria and what's the qualification because I want to know what I'm dealing with and, and what the criteria is. And there are so, they're very actually helpful, by the way. And there are so many offices, like when you think running for office, we're thinking congressmen and we're thinking governors and all of these different things. There's election supervisors. There's all of these different places that we need people to get involved that make just as big as of an impact where you can't just close down ballot counting, cover the windows because of a flood at 4 a.m. and then boop, somebody else wins. Where if we have good people in all of these different positions, we, we can write the ship. So, I mean, 100% it's on the dock for our family at the right time. I don't think now is the right time. We have something else that we're working on to change culture, but that will be that will be absolutely something that's in our future as a family for sure. Yeah, just to just to jump on that important note because we talk about this all the time is local government is the key, not the federal government. We need to start on the local level and push push up instead of like federal government push down. Because if we can, that's take what Ford said, Mike. I agree with you one hundred percent. You're absolutely right. And it, it yep. sounds like oh, a little position on the school board, but you, like you said, you get stressed out about that damn board, you know, introducing some crazy shit, you know, into the school systems and all that. It takes, it's going to take like an army to go into these local governments to, you know, run for office and get in there and push up instead of pushing down, running for federal office, which is insane amount of money that you, it needs to, to, in order to win Congress and all that, it gets money, especially if you start speaking America first and all that. You got Mitch McConnell, oh, yeah. you got McCarthy. And I, I know somebody firsthand that got bamboozled towards the end of an election here in Florida, a personal friend of mine, that they McCarthy and company and McConnell, they came in and just flooded the, uh, the airwaves with a bunch of money to blow out and, and boost their rhino candidate over my, our guy, you know, that was America first because he wouldn't play around, play with their program. So, <laughs> it, yeah, so it, it takes big money. You need big money behind you to win federal and you need you need, you know. Not as much, actually, not at all. Not anything really. Are you guys near Lake Nona at all in Orlando? We are. Oh, okay. I got a very, very good friend there, so she's listening. Shout out, love you, T. Hi, Lake Nona. <laughs> yeah. So I got a question for you, Curtis. You know, you talked about some of your business ventures and saving a billion dollars uh, in energy. The programs that you created in the Midwest and. You know, we've recently seen that our country gave $6 billion to Iran, plus Iranian hostages, in exchange for American hostages, which is great. We're glad that we got our, our, our people back home on, on, on our soil. But you see the, the senseless spending, especially in Ukraine and other places. How would your policies work on a national level? So my, my policies or my policies, what we do is infrastructure related in upgrading infrastructure, making local government more efficient the way they spend money on service, goods and services and energy for that matter. And everything, everything that we do is accounted for, measured and guaranteed by us. So that means if we recommend certain upgrades to say, for instance, their streetlights, their automation systems, HVAC systems, roofs, doors, windows, um, the way they procure, because you know, local government is very fragmented when it comes to uh, they're decentralized on procurement. Meaning, fire, police, civil city, they don't communicate at all, and they all buy the same stuff 
but they're not leveraging buying power to get the same stuff for a lower price. So we take a lot of things like reverse auctions digitally, where we get vendors that invite the vendors to bid on all these different services. And we come in with a price for all these commodity services and goods. And then we look at the energy savings, which is only 20% of our pro forma of what we save. The rest of it, the 80% is the way they procure, right? Mm -hmm. Because and I, I, let, me, let me ask you this, how, on $1 that uh, the government spends, how much do you think waste is waste? Out of a dollar, yeah, 90, 95 cents is wasted. 82. Okay. 70. You guys are okay. <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> but yeah, the average is 70 cents every dollar is spent inefficiently. So That's pretty bad. what we do is we guarantee these safe. So we, we make these recommendations on doing these certain upgrades, right? We meet with the local government and it's a la carte. And we'll come back to them and say, we'll guarantee that, that you will save this, right? So then what they do is they borrow against the savings that we guarantee, right? That we're on the hook for. It's black and white. And then they borrow the money over a 15 year, 20 year term. And then they can do all of these upgrades and they have literally the debt service guaranteed by us and it's paying down every year. And we got to come in, we have to measure and verify. We got to look at all of the, the bills. We got to make sure the reductions are there because if it isn't there, then we have to write a check back for the difference. And we've never missed a guarantee. Um, and collectively we've saved almost a, like close to a billion dollars out of all the local governments that we've worked on. Wow. What's the time frame? Um, give me an example on something like that. Like how long does that, does that take? So it, our first meeting with administration, just to do a presentation from that period where they don't even know what we're pitching. <laughs> it takes two years, the average sales sell. So it's a very long time because you got to do a mm -hmm. lot of red tape, a lot of boards meetings and approvals and things like that. You got to put the financing together. You got to do the, the study that can take up to nine months at some time, sometimes depending on the size of the city, we've turned them around in two months where we've had a proposal in two months, but I would say the average, it takes about two years. How do you get that meeting with that, you know, municipality or city or whatever? A lot of it is just reputation, right? Okay. You, know, so you do one, you do a good job, and then you get introduced to, you know, another local government that maybe is having, you know, trouble, you know, with something. And we have, a lot of it's interesting. We have people that actually we've sold to on the local level that actually come work for us. So we have our customers that want to join our organization after that we've made their life so much easier by getting them streamlined and organized from an operational standpoint and upgrading all of their infrastructure. So that, that to me, that's really rewarding to see your That's customers. cool. Yeah, that's cool. Like, I want to work with you. I can't believe I, at first I thought this was too good to be true. I thought you guys were selling a snake oil, but then when they actually see the results and how everything plays out over the years, they're just like, wow, you know, like this is the most amazing thing. And that's the, from a sales perspective, like to have your customer in the room sitting beside you, talking to the mayor, talking to the city controller, public works, whatever. And they just tell them their experience to say what we did. And, you know, you can't really argue with that. So we're very blessed to find a, a niche market that we can help local government. But to answer your question, the whole thing with Ukraine, that's all under the guise of military defense. Right. We don't we want to stop Putin from invading Germany and all these other countries. So we got to stop them in Ukraine, but it's a straight up bullshit. It's all just going there and it's ending up going out all these different funnels and different LLCs and things like that. It's just money laundering. And I remember it's I saying, a big washing machine. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's, that's that, that program just needs to be ended. 
like immediately. <laughs> and Trump said he would do that in 24 hours. I believe him. Yeah, you do. <laughs> That's an easy discussion to have. Well, yeah. if that if that didn't get you going, I'm sure the way we withdrew from Afghanistan was embarrassing as well. Oh. And the $85 billion of equipment in the helicopters that the Taliban has now, it's just it's very sad. Yeah. We, we get <laughs> China, you know, they have their base now with uh, oh, yeah. the, the runways. They're what, nine, nine feet thick in concrete, American concrete that China's operating you, right now. Do you really believe, though, that Afghanistan was just an accident? No, I don't. <laughs> no way. Of course not. It was not an accident. Everything they're doing is calculated and it's it's on purpose. Right. Down. I, I don't buy at all that none, none of this is happening because Biden's, you know, lost his freaking mind. Uh, it's not he's not even right running. Here my theory. Uh, I, yeah. I don't I don't think he's lost his mind. I think they this is an act. I think it's to give us a talking point. It's they People that are crazy and, and all of these different character traits that the elites have, right? It's a psyop on us. I think he's acting 100%. They're in with Hollywood. He probably has the best acting coaches. And then they go behind the wall and they are laughing. Oh, man, that was so good when you acted like you crapped your pants. Wow, that was awesome when you fell asleep. I, I think it's a show. I really do. I, I don't buy that he's 100% incompetent. I think Biden just overall, he's never been a good speaker. He's never been the smartest man in the room. But I 100% no. think it's, a, it's, it's, I worked with actors. He's acting. This is an act. I mean, we're all pretty much around the same age. I mean, to think when we were younger, how we grew up, we don't negotiate with terrorists. We don't do this. We don't do that. And it's completely 180. And it's it, it's disgusting to see what they've done and what they keep doing. The examples just keep coming week after week of hostage exchange. Listen, I'm glad they're home too. But you don't, it just sets a bad precedent going forward. It's just endless. Like we're, we, we're like the laughing stock of the world right now. It's when horrible. I put a bounty on all of our heads now. I all mean, of us. It's embarrassing. If we're worth six billion dollars, then what's to prevent you know an entire airline from getting hijacked? And hundred percent. I mean, what's honestly like? Where there's no line, there's no, there's no um, accountability, there's no line in the sand. That's just like anything goes. It's so um, dangerous okay. on so many levels for us as Americans. Now it's it's just it's horrible. They're disgusted at that. We have to pray and we have to keep doing exactly what you gentlemen are doing is just keep speaking and having no fear. And you will encourage others to do the same. I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, I know I there's heard, more of us out there. Yeah, They're afraid yeah. to speak up like what you both were saying earlier, like, oh, I might get cancer, or lose your job. So what? Good. At the end of the day, so what? We'll hire you. We're hiring. Right, babe? Yeah, there we go. We have we have a we have a policy. Uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> no, no, you don't don't say it. We don't we don't have any policies. We have no policies whatsoever. We don't know what um, company we're talking about, so. That'd be kind of but yeah, we, we have no policies. But um, hey, if you're canceled, you're definitely considered for um, for employment. Put it to you that way. It's good to we know. We definitely want to talk to people. I love it. Absolutely. It's good to know. Definitely good to know. This has been an awesome episode, guys, and we can't thank you enough. But I want to just yeah. put the bow on this and just want to ask you a few final things. And then 
um, you know, we can let you guys go back to your your. We can talk for kids. hours. We could do this all night. Honestly, and, and next time I'm going to light up my cigar and Greg will light up his cigar. Kara, you'll have to light up a cigar as well and we'll all have a smoke session. I think <laughs> I'm, that's I'm just smelling that the cigar. <laughs> that's awesome. In the house. That, that's awesome. You know, Greg and I talk about this a lot. Undoubtedly, next year is the most important election in our lifetime because it's really going to dictate where this country goes and the challenges that you face as a husband and wife and kids and Greg faces and whatnot. What advice do you have for people, especially parents, that cling on to those values, especially with the world changing and with all of the, I believe, unrest that's coming? We don't even know what's coming next year, but I think there's a precedent that's been set. If you want to maintain power, divide and conquer. Um, you talked about, Kara, about needing real men in the world. And I, yeah. I agree with you. I think men need to step up and be more assertive and also to have a platform to be free. Like, you know, the, the Bible and John talks about us. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Right. So, but not many people realize that. So what advice we'll start with you, Kara. What advice do you have for people with the, the in, in the future of the nuclear family of values of things that have brought you and Curtis so much success in both your professional and personal lives, not getting derailed by what's going on in the world. I think number one, having faith in God, have a Bible. So number one, all of my faith is in God. It is not in man. I believe he created me and my life story is already written. And he wants me here at this time in this world at this moment for a reason. So I live by that. So I don't live in any fear. I also obey. I think it's very important to remember that you must obey God and fear him. You don't fear man, fear God. Um, putting on your armor of God every single day having a Bible and multiple easy access places in your home so that, you know, who has two hours or an hour or 30 minutes, you might just have five minutes. If you have a Bible right there on your coffee table, another one in your kitchen, another one on your night table, just, you could just grab it and read it really easy. I'm old school. I like reading a tangible Bible. So that's another thing that we do and just praying over every single meal. That's another thing that we do in our home. We are just constantly um, we used to just pray at home and now I don't care. We pray in public over our meals. We grab hands. We say a quick prayer. We pray for everybody in the restaurant. I don't care if it offends somebody or not. If they, and maybe it'll encourage other people to pray, but don't be fearful to live in faith and to just repeat it all day long. Check Instagram 10 times a day. Check in with God 10 times a day. Check your Bible 10 times a day. Another fun thing that we do, and I'll send you a screenshot the only app that I pay for, it's called Abide. And I start every single day with a 30-minute Bible meditation. So you just wake up 30 minutes earlier, you just lay in bed, and you just listen to the word before your feet touch the ground. And it's just a really powerful way to start your day. But you have to check in with God all day, every day, the same way you check in with Instagram or any kind of social media or put gas in your car. It has to be constant. And your kids have to see you do that, too. That's what I do. And I would encourage everybody to try to do at least a few of those things. This has taken me a while to get here. This has been building. I haven't always been like this. Curtis could testify, but it's building and it's, I've built to this. If one little change you could do, download the app, start your day with abide. They have a two minute meditation. If you don't have the 15 minutes or the 30 minutes, two minutes a day, every other day, three times a week, something attainable goals with God. And you will get there and you're going to start feeling 
Like you need more. You're just, you need more. I need more. I need more. And that's, that's the way we're going to save this country. And that's the way we're going to protect our children that had to protect over our family. Constantly do it. Drive them crazy. Who cares? I, I, I do mine every morning. I have my coffee. I, I take my Bible and I do it in first person meditation. So they're like declarations. Like yes. I will put on the full armor of God so that I can withstand the, the, the devil's schemes. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I will discipline my body like an athlete, train to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after yeah. preaching others, I myself might be disqualified from Corinthians. So I, I love it. And I use the U version app and I bookmark okay. things and stuff like that. So, curse. Well, I got, I got to say this, and this has helped me personally. I could speak from experience, right? Let go of the fear. Okay. There's a reason why in the Bible that it's referenced 365 times. Do not be afraid, right? Because every day you get up, you cannot fear anything. You just need to trust in God, take that emergency break off and just drive and go and, and do things that are going to make you uncomfortable, Three things a day, just it could be, you know, anything that that you normally wouldn't do, but just start to start making yourself uncomfortable. And that's how you're going to grow, you know, build, build towards something that you're passionate about and take those incremental steps forward to go after that passion of whatever it is and just it just drive. And um, that's that's all I got to say, man, just just let go of the fear. You know, if you let go of the fear and you just you, you go forward and, and not let all of the, the confusion get in the way and, and try to unplug from social media, if you can, you know, like, just don't don't get caught up in the mess. Craig T. I, I love it. And I it, what a great way to 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 end this discussion tonight to I mean, we made great points and learned a lot. And I know the listeners out there are going to be very grateful and thankful for all the knowledge that you both have shared. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you both very much. And real quick for the listeners out there that want to follow you guys, are you guys on Instagram? Do you have a social media platform? Like where can our listeners follow you and learn more about what you guys do? You can uh, follow me, Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S. Leopardo is my name. And I go under made in America. That's my, pro wrestling alter ego name but that's that's my that's my username made in america but you can search me by curtis leopardo i just go by my married name cara leopardo c-a-r-a leopardo made in america's wife awesome well well, maybe if the booker who we both know our boy jason maybe we'll you and i'll (laughs) wrestle at some point i want to give a shout out to jason too jason calabrese he's a guy who's changed his entire life around i was with him throughout you know his journey and uh, he actually wrote a book called reinvented it's on amazon it's a great quick read but it just shows you how someone took the pandemic as a positive and now he has a life that's flourishing so shout out to him and uh that's it greggy t take us home buddy awesome to all the listeners out there empowermentpodcast.com all the platforms our instagram dm us it is me and mike reading it We're happy to answer any and all questions and keep the hate coming because we love it because now we know we're on to something. But um, we will see you guys next week. And thank you again. And have a great night. Be safe. America first. God bless. First, Thank you, guys.